When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm Megan Gibson. Today, I'll be talking with John Lanza. John is passionate about teaching kids about managing money and he has several books out that he'll talk about. One is called The Art of Allowance, and he is a speaker. He's written a number of articles for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and he really challenged me to sort of rethink how I was doing things with my own kids, and since I spoke with him, I started giving my kids allowance, and I really feel a freedom from it, and one of the things that we talk about is not tying allowance to chores. And I think that that was kind of what was holding me back is just thinking, okay, then that's one more thing I have to manage. And we sort of talk about how chores are just part of being a family. And that doesn't mean don't ask your children to do chores, but that allowance can be independent from that. And that was sort of a freeing concept for me. And I really have noticed my kids feeling empowered by this and sort of thinking more about, how they want to spend money because it's theirs. It's not mine. I mean, you don't have to worry about how you're spending my money, but it, it, I can just see them sort of processing through like, oh, okay, maybe I don't need that. So I really enjoyed talking to him and I learned a lot and I hope you do too. Thanks. Hi, John. Thanks so much for joining me on The Family Brain and I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited too, Megan. This should be fun. Is there any way you could sort of give me a little bit of background? I know your expertise is in the area of helping kids learn about money, helping parents educate their kids about money. How did you sort of come to this work? How did this become something that you became passionate about? (laughs) Well, it came out of my wife and I having a conversation with our, our, now our kids are 16 and 14, but when the 16-year-old was about six months old, we we wanted we knew one of the things we wanted for her was to raise her to be money smart and the the main reason for that wasn't was we just knew how important it was and we knew that like my wife was much more of a natural saver and i was more of a natural spender and we didn't want to kind of leave it up to chance with our kids because mm. 
you know, it's, it's tough. Cause like for her, it's, you know, she's, it's not even that she's lucky. She just, she is that she was the aunt who would buy savings bonds back when people did that for her, mm-hmm. uh, for her nieces and nephews. And I'm the one who moves to Los Angeles and, you know, is, and I, I was never, never really living the good life, but certainly, you know, LA is not a place that you come to get, get, uh, get, get a grip on money. Right. And right. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and just through a lot of mistakes, my own mistakes and kind of learning from those, we wanted to help our kids kind of start a money. We want to start a money conversation with our kids early so that they would have a sense of how to use money and basically kind of use money as a tool because that's all it really is and have control over it rather than having, having, having it having control over you. So that's kind of what kind of got us thinking in that regard. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is I was reading your bio and it said that part of the decision was based on in, in your marriage, one person was a spender and one person was a saver. <laughs> and I kind of assumed you were the saver if you were then doing this whole program. But that's interesting that you feel like that maybe this was something that was missing in your own development. And then you got really into it after the fact. Yeah, I think that was the case. I mean, because yeah, my, my wife is really, so our program is called, we started with this program called the Money Mammals. And the whole idea behind that was that we wanted to engage kids really early and it's aimed at young kids and it gets them excited about financial lit- literacy, but it teaches them things like sharing and saving and spend, spending smart. That's their mantra. It's like, we'll share and save and spend smart too. And uh, they sound a lot better than I do. No, no, and yeah, so they, that, that's how we, it just made sense to me to let's make it fun for kids. And, but she's really the original money mammal. She's the OG of the money mammals, okay. if you want to put it that way. So I, but it, it came from my experience having realized that, you know, it's not such a great idea to buy a $2,000 computer on a credit card and then not pay it off for a while and have it cost eventually about $3,000 once the, <laughs> once you've yes. paid off the credit card and the, paid off the computer and the interest. But you know, that's, that's, I still remember the first day of, I think it was like the first day of orientation for college. And there were all these tables set up to give kids credit cards. And I was like, what is this? Like all of a sudden a switch was flipped. Like, okay, let's get them now, you know? And it was just, it was, it's like a, a very clear memory that I have. Like, this is weird. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you, Megan, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I wrote a blog post about this because I think it's part of the reason, because I had, you know, wonderful parents, but this was not something we talked about, money, um, on any kind of ongoing basis. And part of that was that they got divorced when we were uh, teens. And so you, you never know, it becomes the Wild West at that point. But even before that, they, we didn't really have conversations about money. And that's because like I went to school, so I went to school, uh, to college in, in 1987. And I think that was around when, when it was, things were gearing up big time on campuses with these credit cards, offering the offering kids, um, you know, free t-shirts or whatever it is to get them Mm -hmm. in in a credit card. They can't do that anymore. Uh, but that was, it was really, speaking of the wild west that's what it was like mm-hmm. and as a kid you go there you're like great i get free money fantastic that yeah. sounds awesome how am i going to say no to that right and, and in your and mind I, you're like free t-shirt great yeah, right yeah. exactly i get yeah. a free t-shirt and free money this uh-huh. is this is great <laughs> and so it's not I, I don't really fault my parents or any parents before that because you just didn't really 
it, it wasn't a conversation that you felt like you had to have because, you know, pensions were a thing. People, you know, people were taken care of to a large extent by their jobs. So the idea was you go to college, you get a job, you're taken care of. And, you know, now we know that is clearly not the case. Mm -hmm. And so this is why we want to start this conversation with our kids early. And really, I think the main purpose is that conversation. That's the reason you start an allowance. The reason you get, get going on this is that you want to open up a dialogue with your kids. So are you pro allowance? What's your stance on allowance or sort of what's the, what's, what are the building blocks that you sort of offer that you suggest, okay, this is a good framework for helping develop healthy habits? Yeah. The allowance. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the allowance. I, okay. I wrote a book called the art of allowance and okay. that's, so the focus is the, that, that is, is, is that the allowance is a tool to help you raise money, smart kids and to teach them kind of the basic, you know, there's three kind of main skills that we talk about. So they are saving for goals. They are distinguishing between needs and wants and understanding and making smart money choices. Those are the things you kind of want to start your kids off with, get them understanding those things. And the allowance is the conduit to make that happen. And the reason that I call it kind of the art of allowance is that they're really guidelines because every parent, every kid, every family is going to be different. And you just want to use those guidelines to create a system that's going to work for yourself. And so that's, that's, that's what we do with an allowance. You could start as young as five, and then you can make it kind of grow with your kids as they become teens and tweens or tweens and teens. I think that that would be a good book for me because I know my kids like the idea of an allowance and we've kind of gone through spurts of doing something like that, but it just feels like one more thing for me to do. What do you feel like, what's your message to parents that are like, I don't know if I can manage it. I feel like my kids are very persistent. Like what about allowance? What about, and then I'm like, well, you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And then I just feel like we're fighting about something, a whole nother thing, you know, like I'm adding to, and as I say this, I'm like, that's the job, Megan. That's the job of being a parent is you have to, you know, but I feel like I'm probably not alone in feeling like, okay, this is one more thing I have to do. Well, I'll tell you, you hit on a key thing. So it sounds like you had an allowance that was tied to chores, right? Yes. Okay. So first thing is I think you want to decouple those things. Okay. And here's the reason is that one, there's going to be just chores that they do around the house. So those are things that regardless of whether you paid them or not, you're going to have them do those things. So there's not really a reason to pay them because let's, well, let's, just, let's just say, um, you know, making, the, making your bed, mm -hmm. setting the table, doing the dishes, whatever they might be. They're different from family to family. So if you want to teach, so chores teach a different lesson. So allowance is a tool you use to teach your kids how to become money smart, to learn those kind of basic money skills that we talked about, saving for goals, distinguishing, distinguishing between needs and wants, making smart money choices. Chores teach kids that you need to work to earn money. Great lesson, different lesson. And so you want to decouple those things. You can pay them for chores, but only chores that you might pay someone else to do or that you would be doing yourself. Mm. So that might be, it's going to be different in different families, but it could be shoveling snow, which is an odd reference considering I live in Southern California, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, raking the leaves, whatever Picking it might be. Poop. I mean, that's what's interesting. Like I offer them money. They're like, I want to earn money. And so I'm like, okay, pick up the dog poop. How much are you going to pay me? I'll pay you $5. To me, that's a great amount of money. $5. Yeah. That's it. Like, okay, well then you have no money. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is the, so you, you immediately identified another benefit 
of okay. decoupling. Now, okay. it's not the reason that you do decouple, but if you have chores tied to allowance, you are going to have conflict because chores create conflict. You okay. know, there is just not, we, you know, we have constant conflict for, with our chores. You know, it's like we, I'm looking right now at our compost that's supposed to go from the, from the kitchen into the compost pile and it doesn't get there. Okay. It, I put I put it out for her to do it and she didn't do it. So like those kind of things like, and the garbage didn't go out, those kind of things. So we're constantly having conflict. If we had to had our allowance tied to that, we would be creating so much negativity around money. And I yes. under, totally understand okay. your frustration with it because you'd be like, ugh. So when you separate those two, again, it's not the reason you separate those two, but now allowance is doing a, it's doing you a service, which is that you're providing them the money that they need to learn lessons. Mm. And we're going to jump ahead to the tweens and teens. So with them, you're giving them enough money to do things like buy food when they go out for, with friends, mm. buy their own clothes, pay for the extra money for the phone, um, buy the presents for their kit for, for their friends. So uh, those things are now covered, right? Mm. And now they're responsible for it. Right. And so, wow, that's a huge mental shift. Cause I feel like then I would be more generous with the allowance because it's really stuff I would be paying for anyway, but it's on them to decide. And then they just don't get it if they don't have the money. Yeah. You, well, here, the other thing is if it's their money, they're much more careful about it. Mm -hmm. And the argument that I sometimes hear from parents is, wow, you're giving a lot of money to your kids. And I said, we're fortunate to be able to do what we're doing. It's not going to be the same for every family, but let's just say it's a family of the same means as us, right? I guarantee you that they are paying as much if they don't have an allowance, they're just not tracking it. Mm-hmm. So that, that money, they're just, if their kids are asking them to go out with their friends, then that money's coming from their pocket to their kid, to where, wherever they're going. First of all, the kid's the kid is not, the kid's not going to then be making any kind of smart choices. Right. They're just going to be spending that money. Right. And you're not, you're, it's, your money's not doing any service to them. So, mm. yeah. So it, it's, I heard this described uh, in, in, when I interviewed on my podcast, um, another uh, financial coach and she said, and this is great. It's like, it's not a separate budget. You know, if you do budgeting, it's not a separate line item in your budget to have an allowance. You're just replacing the things that you would normally be paying for for your kids. And now you're giving them responsibility for it. So what if you have a situation, this is my situation, where I haven't done this when they were little. And mm-hmm. so now I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. What would you say, if someone's in a similar situation to me, what would be a, a good way to start? Because I think my concern is, am I going to give them a bunch of money when we haven't done this at all? You know, and so then, yeah. or, and then that's big risk on the line for them, or do you start off smaller? What would be your recommendation? Yeah, I would start off smaller and you can move quicker with the older one. So, um, so let's just, uh, let me back up a second. So your basic allowance for say a five-year-old and they're, they're, this is just for covering kind of basic, you know, some simple things. So we have, uh, so let me, let me set that up. So with a five-year-old, you're going to give them, you're going to have three jars. You're going to have the share jar, the save jar and the spend smart jar. Right. And you would do the same thing for the eight-year-old. So I'll just explain what the five-year-old, um, right now. So, so the five-year-old, you have the share and the save and the spend smart. You're going to give them $5. So it's $1 per week per age of the child. And so that's going to be $8 for your eight-year-old. And then you're going to take a portion of that. So $1 would go into the share jar. What you're doing there is teaching them that's charitable giving. 
that you value charitable giving. And now that money can only be used for charitable giving, right? Mm -hmm. The second jar is save. So now $1 goes into the save jar. So you're opting them into this idea that they have to pay themselves first, which is something that, you know, every financial coach will talk to you, will, will tell you to do. And then the, the other $3 are the balance and those can go into any of the jars, but they usually go into the spend smart jar and they can use that for any discretionary spending. So now when they go to the store, they want something little, you say, do you have your money? If they do, they can get it. If it's something that's too much, too much for them, then you set a goal, put it on the save jar. So let's just say that they, they have the $3 in their pocket from allowance. They see something like that, a scooter that's $20, $24. You say, great. Let's, when we get home, we'll put a picture of that on your save jar. You'll save for that. It'll take you eight weeks with uh, putting $3, uh, $3 in your save jar. And so you work through how the process works. You create this goal. You give them a time. It's, it's called a SMART goal. So it's like specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. And you walk them through it. Now they, now they learn about delayed gratification. They learn how to save for a goal. Does that all make sense? Oh, it does. It does. Okay. And I mean, gosh, I'm thinking of, I know this isn't my own personal therapy session, but geez, I'm like, have all these visions running through my head of, and I guess. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this position, but where you're like, okay, I just did that as a quick fix because leave me alone. You know, here you want my kids. I cannot tell you. I mean, this is disgusting, but how much money they've spent on like in-app purchases on video games. And that's how they want to, they don't have an allowance. So they get all this money for birthdays or whenever they get money and that's how they spend it. But I don't think it's sort of similar to what you were saying about like, okay, you get 20 bucks when you go with a friend somewhere and then you're just going to spend it. You know what I mean? Like real quick, like right out of your pocket, just because you're so excited to have it. And it's interesting because it almost reminds me, I was speaking with a woman yesterday who runs an eating disorder clinic and she was talking about um, like balanced and healthy ideas about food. And this reminds me of that in a lot of ways where if you can have a healthy perspective about money and not all of a sudden be like, I mean, to me, like, a lot of money at the same time for a kid is like having a big birthday cake that you're never allowed to have. And then you're going to eat the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like it's like a binge, a money binge. Yes. Um, it's just interesting. Um, so anyway, that's no, my- and it's, and it's so hard to get this across because you know, these kids, the messages, the general messages that are out there is that are that it's good to spend money. You should spend money. Mm-hmm. You should indulge yourself. You should do this. You should do that. And that's why this is so important. And the other thing I heard you say is, trust me, I've, I could, we all have parental guilt when we're doing this. And part of that guilt is we're thinking about our own money, you know, issues. And, you know, I think back, I'm like, wow, I I should, I should really think about doing this more appropriately the way that I'm setting them up, you know, having my, I should have my own share jar and save jar. Mm -hmm. But you, what you do is you tweak your behaviors as you, go through. I've learned as much in this process as the kids have learned in this process. Hmm. And being open to that is actually pretty cool. It's, uh, it's one of those things because you want to share. It's not like the, you know, the kids know the plenty of the mistakes that I've made. And uh, you know, we may or may not get into it, but talking about like investing, I'm not an investing expert, but I still don't want to not have them start investing if they're interested in that. And that's something we might be able to talk about. But I want to get back to your kids so that you know what to do with. So you, so with the eight-year-old, I would just start them off with you know $8 a week mm-hmm. and then just be looking for the opportunity to, to have, have them save for that save goal. 
uh, and do it in the save jar. And then when they are there, when, when they find something that they want that they don't have the money for, then you set up this smart goal, which is, you know, the specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. And what you want to do is take a picture of it, you paste it on there, you walk through with them, how long it's going to take them. And then every time you're doling out the allowance, when the money is going to, when they're getting the money, you could say, well, you might want to put more of that money into the save jar because you can get to whatever you're saving for faster. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And so when you introduce the concept of allowance to kids, do you sort of put this as part of the buy-in for, okay, you're going to get an allowance, but this is what you need to do. This is how we're going to do it. Oh, you have to be very intentional. Okay. Yeah, you, you definitely want to be into, you want to say, we are giving you this money so that you learn to become money smart. You're going to learn about saving. You're going to learn about, and you don't, you don't spend a lot of time on this, but every time you give it to them, you want to reiterate a little bit about why they're getting this. And then if they start to go off the rails a little bit, that's where you can talk to them about it. So, okay. you know, the purpose of this is to teach you. Now, you also want them to have fun with it. So like one of the other argument that parents will make will be like, well, what about, you know, saving long-term? I'm like, for a five, eight-year-old and eight-year-old, saving long-term is not what they need to do right now. It's not going to, like saving for a rainy day, way too abstract for a kid. Have right. them learn a little delayed gratification by saving for a few weeks to a few months and it should be really short time periods so they can get excited about it and see that their money can work for them. And that's, that's the beauty of the save jar. And then on the share jar, the other nice part about that is that the opportunities will come up. So as they're putting that money in, you know, they may forget about it for a little while, but then there might be some kind of drive at school for a disaster that's happened either locally or internationally, and then they have the money. So mm -hmm. now they're not, they're not making, it's not an opportunity cost decision where they're saying, well, I got to take my spend money so I can't get candy. And I, I so I don't think I want to donate there. No, that shared your money they have. So now they're empowered to use that. And so what you're doing is teaching them these lessons of paying themselves first, making, you know, now having money for charitable giving. All of it is in service of this idea that we all need to realize that every time we get money, we are making choices whether we in, are intentional about those choices or not. And that's the reason we set this up for our kids. Yes. No, I love that. I've noticed even we have a pretty hearty homeless population in, in um, sorry, not San Antonio, Austin. And mm -hmm. I've noticed if, if we're ever giving money um, just in that way, I can see a difference in my kids' faces and their reactions when they know it's their money. You know, like yes, if they've decided, yes. well, I have a dollar, I'm going to go home, I'm going to find it, I'm going to give it to, you know, it's just, yep. it's just a special difference that, um, that I don't know, it's, yes. it's nice to see them enjoy that process. Yeah. And that's, you know, giving them power over their money is, is teaching them to have control of money, you know, and, and you're getting them to this idea that I, that I mentioned in the beginning is you want them to just learn that money is a tool. That's all it is. You know, it's not, it, you know, it, it can be used in ways to bring you some happiness, but it can't make you happy money itself. And you want to just learn strategies and want to teach them tips and tactics to use their money effectively. Um, now I want to go back to, so you're 12 year old, right? So they're, they're a little bit older and it, the, doing that larger allowance that I talked about might be too much. So like you said, just start with clothes. Mm -hmm. So just figure out how much they're spending a month on clothes, give them an allotment and say, this is what you're going to be getting. And sooner than later, you could start with them weekly. I would also start with them 
start in cash with ev- everybody. Okay. And then you transition. So our kids started in cash when they were five, and then we transitioned to a digital allowance. Uh, each of them transitioned differently, but it was between 10 and 12. And so okay. now they have digital allowances. If you could stay with cash, stay with it. But I think it's important for them to learn that digital money is real money. It's just not as that there's, there's something wonderful about giving the cash out and having that moment where you can have a discussion about the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it becomes a lot easier. You know, it's like once they become teens, you know, they, they, you don't, you want to kind of simplify things right. in your life. And so that's, that's the beauty of having, so there's, 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 there's costs and benefits of both sides, but right now they use a digital card. There's lots of digital cards out there that allow you to have it, have the same setup where you can have the buckets, the share and the save and the spend smart, and you can set up an allowance and start smaller and then move on. So you might just start with cash and do clothes and make that, maybe, or it might, you know, it depends on what your kid is. It, it could, it could be cat, it could be clothes or it could be uh, money to go out with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so like our food money is for buying, buying food at school and for going out with friends. And so they can make food at home for nothing. So that's typically what they do. And then they save that money up and they use it if they're going out um, with their friends. Um, so would pick one of the things. And then once you feel like they've gotten some responsibility, then you can then you can increase the allowance and go up to this. We call it a breakthrough allowance. And then you can um, give them more responsibility. And you might want to start on a weekly basis with all of them, but then move to the monthly basis for the older kids. Because the idea behind that is then they have to kind of budget their money more effectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of and like work. mimics a paycheck a little bit more. Ex- that Exactly. Yes. So what are some of the the, I hate to talk trash, but <laughs> what are some of the mistakes you see people making in terms of kids and money and especially in the area of teenagers? Yeah. I think the, the biggest mistake is not setting up this allowance and and being intentional about what that allowance will do. So a lot of I think the reason that people have an issue with allowance is just the term itself. Like and one, they may have received an allowance without a seeming purpose when they were kids. And so they do the same thing with their kids. And then they realize that if you don't have a purpose, if you're not intentional about it, it can very easily go off the rails. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you want to have these conversations because really the, one of the main purposes is to open a conversation. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's starting early is really important. And I do think it's, it's more useful to not tie it to chores and then realize that chores teach a different lesson. You can give them chores, but don't tie your main allowance to those chores because the allowance serves this purpose of teaching them to become money smart, the basic money skills. It does serve a purpose and you just need to be intentional about it. Right. Well, and I think it's a mental shift for me because even when you brought up the the idea of allowance, there's a a resistance in my own mind. Like now I get to give them more money, you know, because I feel like I'm doing so much already for them and they have so much, but I think it's that mental shift of it's not, it's about the money, but it's not about the money. It's about teaching them how to use the money. I'm basically already giving them. It's just a, a, a shift in the way we're doing it because right now they're getting it and they don't have to think about it. Just the items show up that they ask for. Yeah. And the other thing is that out of context, people think it's ludicrous. Like for example, I had a mom I was talking to and she was getting ready to, to give her kids, you know, they get a hundred dollars a month. And even the, the dad and her sister were like, are you out of your mind? Mm-hmm. But she didn't give them the context. 
And then when she explained the context and said, here's what they're responsible for. Very quickly, you realize you're like, oh yeah, we're definitely giving more, giving them more than that. You know, it almost turns to, is that enough for what they're trying, you know? Yes. No, I agree. Yeah. it's a, it's an interesting mental shift. And I'm, I, I, it's funny because there's certain people like I was going to talk to you today and I was like, Oh, I don't really know. I, I think I have a, <laughs> I do. I have like, I, I had the same feeling when I was about to talk to somebody about um, managing technology. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to feel bad about myself, you know, but, um, and just like think about all the mistakes I've made. But I think that when it's very concrete and it's kind of relatively simple to do, um, it makes it much easier for me and not so much like uh, like nitpicking different scenarios. It's just kind of pull back and take a different look at the way you're already kind of doing things. Yeah. And, and let me assure you, I have <laughs> almost all the same guilt that you're feeling. Like I feel like a fraud when I talk to my kids about money plenty of times because right. I will tell them to do something that I clearly did not do. Now, that's different. Now we do change. We have changed. I've changed certain behaviors to align with what I know makes sense. Um, and I, I, I would like to quickly talk about investment just because that's a good area. Like I'm not a great investor. Now we've, we certainly have saved, we have, we have, you know, we have money in index funds, but you know, we've also made a, like, like just a laundry list of stupid mistakes about mm-hmm. selling and buying stocks, you know, just, you know, it's like, I remember buying Apple at 60 and then selling at 180. You know, that's like, that's just, it's a, it's a dumb idea. Like, you know, you should, it, 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 at least at the time, you know, now it's worth, I don't know what it is, 500 to 600. And it's, it's less about the, the value of the stocks and more about just misunderstanding how investing works. Mm-hmm. And the, point we're trying to make with so with our kids is we've just given them we've we've kind of allocated money for them to invest and they've you know the older one invested she she basically got lucky she invested in 2015 three shares and of course what happens is they they skyrocketed and she's thinking to herself because she gets the dopamine rush like if I had just invested more shares, I'd have a ton more money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could have invested more shares and you could have a lot less money too. Right. Um, but, but what we do, what we want to do is just un- have them understand that investing is a thing. We are not money experts. You should seek other, ca- we're not investing experts. You might want to seek other counsel and you might, there's a, here are some books that you can look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, a, a great one is called Your Money and Your Brain by Jason Zweig in terms okay. of understanding the biases that we have as, uh, as, uh, uh, as human beings when it comes to, uh, to investing. But the other thing we've done is we've now set up a index fund for them and they take a portion of their allowance and that goes into their into this index fund on an ongoing basis. And so they put in a certain amount, we match that amount. And now, now we've set up this behavior that we hope that they will carry through as they become adults to continue to put this money in because we beat it into their heads, this idea of compound interest. And, you know, if you just keep putting your money, especially because you started early, Mm -hmm. you are so far ahead of the game. It's that starting early that matters. Right. No, I love that idea. And I like the idea of matching it just to sort of help push them along a little bit, at least at the beginning. Um, This is sort of different, but what do you say about, um, I don't know if a teen would necessarily get in debt, but like a young adult who becomes in debt in some way. 
What do you, what's your perspective on that in terms of uh, parents helping their kids get out of debt or learning sort of the painful lesson on their own? You know, I don't really have an opinion on that. I haven't gone through it. Um, I think there are probably other uh, money experts that are better counsel there. Mm. Um, The only thing I would say about debt is that I think when they are still in the house, and I'll give you an example. So I was talking to a fellow named Bill Dwight, who's also a money expert. And one of the things that he did is his kid bought himself a computer and then proceeded to, no, he bought a computer for his kid. And then the kid trashed the computer Mm -hmm. and, you know, Kind of, I, I, he wanted uh, maybe some, maybe needed it partially for school, but wanted a new computer. And so he set up a loan. So he wouldn't just buy him another one, but he set mm-hmm. up a loan and set up terms. And so taught him in a very kind of very uh, friendly, <laughs> mm-hmm. more comfortable way, how a loan works. And then you have to take the money out, you have to pay it back and here's interest. And I thought that was a really good opportunity, good teaching moment, good way to get across that. So that's, that would be a, a good, it's, it's because people do ask that and say, is it okay to loan your kids money? I say in a, in specific, it's very specific cases. I think it is. Mm-hmm. No, that like makes that. sense. Yeah. What about in terms of um, like investment companies? Is there anything you think that investment companies could be doing better to make money more understandable for kids or that they, you know what I mean? Like the, the institutions, banks or investment companies that are very much set up for adults that they could be doing better to sort of help train kids from an early age. Oh, I, I have a definite opinion on this because okay. I just went through it. So, you know, your minimum to open up an account. So for example, we open up a Vanguard account is a thousand dollars. And I'm like, that's not how it should work. It should be for kids. They should, you know, you have to set up a kid account anyway. It's a, you know, it's a minor's minor account. So it's in my name, but it will, it's, it's, uh, uh, will transfer over to them. But I, they should be able to set up an account for less money. So that it's easier for more people to start this habit of paying themselves first and get in the investing game from an early age. Because, I mean, it's, it's one of those kind of tropes of financial literacy learning is like mm-hmm. just, you know, you just you the earlier you start, you know, you could start you, the earlier you start, obviously, the much the the, the greater your return um, over time, because time is the most important factor mm-hmm. in uh, in compound interest. And so, so that would be, that's the main thing. It's like, yeah, cause they're almost keeping kids out of the game by making it such a high level to get in. Yeah. And they're, yeah. and the, and the, they spend so much money trying to get kids credit cards, so much money. Let's, let's spend more money in trying to get kids into, into uh, uh, these investment vehicles because that would make a huge difference. I mean, you know, this is one of these things. Cass Sunstein um, wrote a book with Richard Thaler. It's called Nudge. And really one of the big things that they did was create these, the, the idea that if you opt people into a 401k, they are much more likely. I don't know the exact numbers, but the the people, if you get opted into a 401k, you're 80%, I think is it's somewhere in that 70, 80% of people start using it and maintain that 401k and continue to contribute. Whereas if you have to have them opt in, it's like 20% mm-hmm. of people uh, start using the 401k. So not only do we want to have kids 
doing this, we want to not only do we want to set it up so that the bar to entry is low, we want to nudge them in any way we can. Right. You know? So some kind of incentive set up to parents opening up accounts where the kid can now open up their investment account. And maybe there's some kind of percentage going into that account on a consistent basis, whatever it is, building this idea that we start them investing early is, would, would be, you know, transcend um, their lives going forward. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I like that. I, I am not, my dad is a money person and my husband mm-hmm. is a money person. And it's interesting because I wrote down that book, you, um, you mentioned your money and your brain. And yeah. I think my brain has gotten smaller and smaller as a result <laughs> of having these like awesome finance people in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. I haven't had to do a lot of this mental work, but, but my focus has been my kids. And so when it comes to my kids, I want to learn more about it and how I can, um, you know, sort of train them. Not that I don't have to think about it at all, but you know, when yeah. you have people who no, are no. really, it's kind of fun for them. It, yep. I'm kind of like, well, if it's fun for you, then I'm just going to stay out of it. <laughs> um, which no, it makes sure sense is- because our, our brains are so full. We are always looking for what are, what are some areas that I don't have to focus on? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So. I get it. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything that you were hoping you'd be able to talk about a little more that I didn't ask you about? No, I, we hit on so much stuff. I hope I didn't gloss over uh, any particular thing. I'm, I probably did on some level, um, but you know, people can always reach out if they have any questions. They can reach out, and I'd love to talk about this and help them out with their kids and help out parents to raise money smart kids. So where can people find more about you and your organization and your books? The easiest place is to just go to themoneymammals.com. Pretty much everything is there. It's the Art of Allowance book, the Money Mammals materials. We've got a lot of free downloads, including a Google Sheet to create your breakthrough allowance for your um, older kids, for the teens and tweens. Then we have a little allowance worksheet for the younger kids. Those are free downloads. You can get started today with an allowance. That's great. No, and I love the work you're doing because I, I do. I think that part of my resistance to learning about this kind of thing is just feeling like it's going to be complicated. But when someone has already done the work for me and like, okay, do this, I can follow the instructions. You know, I can kind yeah. of follow the path, which is a big help. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, this is the question I've been asking everybody who's on the series about teens. If there was a message you could bring back to your teenage self, sort of assuming this teenage self would listen to you, what would that message be maybe about money and finances or whatever? Oh, it would have been open up an investment account, Uh (laughs) mutual fund investment account, and take an amount of whatever I'm making every month, if not every week, but probably every month and put it into that investment account. I love it. That's great. Yeah. My my message to my teenage self was to calm down, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still telling myself that message. So yeah, um, anyway, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this and I appreciate you taking your time to share this information. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Megan. Thanks for listening to the Family Brain Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to John Lanza and I hope you were challenged to sort of think about how you're teaching your kids about managing money. I know I was challenged and I'm hopefully on a better path at this point. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. It helps get the podcast out in other people's ears 
and you could always leave a review on iTunes. You don't need to leave a review for every episode, but if you are a regular listener, I would love it if you leave a review. There's a spot at the bottom of all the episodes that says write a review and do a rating, and that helps people find the show. So thanks for listening. If you want to be a part of the Family Brain community, you can check us out on Facebook or on Instagram. Both are under Family Brain Podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.